Today, I want to talk about reaching people in our world. And, and my goal today is that we would stir up faith within us, that we can show today how we can reach people in our world. And, and I'll tell you what, the story this morning, again, was just such an encouragement around it. Because I want to share with you this morning this, that one thing that you need to know about God is that He's passionate about His church reaching people. God has designed His church to be the vehicle that brings the hope of Jesus to a lost and hurting world. In Luke chapter 15, I believe it's probably one of the most important chapters in all of the Bible that shows God's heart for those who are outside His family. And in Luke 15, we see Jesus actually teach three parables. He teaches three stories back to back. But these three stories all have the same message. They all have the same vision. And they actually all have the same heart. And Jesus taught these three parables in Luke 15 to show us the heart of God, the heart of our Heavenly Father to reach, to rescue and redeem every single human being. Why? Because God is a seeker. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you and I, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Did you know that God is not willing that one single person would perish? God's heart aches for the one who is away from Him. He's not wanting any person to perish. He's not wanting any person to, to leave this earth, to leave this life without knowing His Son, Jesus. He actually wants every person to come to repentance. God wants every person to find a brand new life in Christ because God is a seeker. Do you know God is seeking to have relationship with us? God's actually seeking to heal us. God's actually seeking to set us free from sin, set us free from our past, to set us free from bondages, things that have kept us trapped and enslaved. God is seeking to bring us ultimately into a brand new life through relationship with Jesus. And Powerhouse Church, how many of you know, this is the gospel. Like this is the good news. The whole reason Powerhouse Church exists is to tell everyone we can this message that God is seeking them. No matter what your background is, no matter what your past looks like, that God is seeking you because God loves you and He wants a relationship with you. And time and time again, Jesus kept pointing us back to this truth that He had a mission and that mission was all about reaching the lost. Luke 19.10, Jesus said about Himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, Jesus said, I have come to reach people who are lost. That idea, it doesn't mean geographically lost. It's not, I'm pulling out the GPS because I'm not exactly sure where I am lost. No, no, this is talking about being spiritually lost. In the Bible, when someone is spiritually lost, it simply means they are without God. And the Bible tells us if we are without God, we are actually without hope in this life. You see, Jesus says, I've come to reach people who are far away from me. And that's actually our vision too, that we would live as believers on mission with Jesus, reaching out to people who are far away from God. That actually Powerhouse Church is called to be a place where people who don't know Jesus would begin a relationship with Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. Then they would go on a journey, like we heard this morning, 
where God's love, God's grace, the power of the Holy Spirit goes to work in them, bringing transformation in their heart and also that they would step into community, they would step into relationships because how many of you know that's exactly how God works as well? He works through relationships to help us find freedom and purpose and the fullness of life that Jesus called us to live. In Luke 15, we go to the third parable. It's perhaps the most well-known parable. It's perhaps perhaps the most well-known story of all of the parables that Jesus told. It's called the story of the lost son. And Jesus tells us this story to show us the father's heart. And what you need to know before we read this story this morning is that there are three main characters in this story. There is the younger son. So the younger son represents the lost. Unchurched or de-churched, anyone who's away from God, Jesus made it time, clear time and time again. He had a mission and it was to reach those like the younger son. But then there's also the older son. So in this story, there wasn't just one son, there was two sons. And that, I'm gonna tell you right off the get-go, they were both lost, but just for different reasons. He was speaking at the time, Jesus, to Pharisees and religious leaders. The older son represented them. Jesus was speaking to them because they had lost the father's heart to love people and to reach out to people. He was speaking to them because they actually thought they were mature believers, but actually they weren't. And Jesus was teaching us through this story that actually the more that we grow and mature as Christians, the more our desire for reaching the lost should increase as well. He's actually showing us what true Christianity, what true spirituality is to look like, that the more that we grow in our faith, the more it should cause us to look outside of ourselves to those who are living far away from Jesus. The third character in this story, and we're gonna gonna center in on this one, is the Father. Now the Father, in case you didn't know, represents God. And we're gonna focus on the Father as we go through this story this morning, but we're gonna zone in on the Father's heart. Because here's the big idea I want you to catch this morning. That's this, if we carry the Father's heart, we will do the Father's will. When we carry the Father's heart, we will always do the Father's will. We're gonna read this story and we're gonna look at some qualities of the Father's heart. Are you ready this morning? Luke 15, verse 12. We're gonna stop as we go through this story. Luke 15, verse 12. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And so let's just stop for a minute. Here we see something very important about the father. And that's this, the father's heart is always to give us freedom. You see, here we see a moment and it's a pivotal moment because the son walks away, but the father releases him. See, here's what you need to know about God. God is never controlling. God is never manipulative. In fact, God is the opposite of that. God is releasing. God has actually given us as human beings made in his image and likeness, the greatest gift, and it's called the gift of free will. He's actually given us the freedom to choose a relationship with God or not. Because how many of you know, that's what love is. That's actually the essence of love. But here's what I love about the Father. The Father releases the Son to follow his own way, but he doesn't close the door on relationship. Do you notice what the Father doesn't do? He doesn't give him a serve as he walks off. 
He doesn't cut off relationship. In fact, we see in the story, the father does the opposite. The father keeps on loving him. The father keeps on praying for him. In fact, the father lives with an expectation with everyone else in the house that one day that this son would return back home. And I believe this, this is exactly the heart of God that he wants us to carry in our relationships as parents, as grandparents, as friends, towards our brothers and sisters, that actually the heart of God is that we love and value people for who they are, not what they do. And we keep the door of relationship open. Here's the thing, the father probably didn't agree with the choices and decision that the son made, but guess what? He made a decision to keep on loving him. He made a decision to keep the door of relationship open. Do you know, I was reading just in the last month some research that's come through by a group called Barna Research, and they do lots of studies across the church. Do you know they found something recently that astonished them? They did not expect to find this in their research, and that was the numbers or the high numbers of millennials in the last two years that have been returning back to the church. Do you know what they pinpointed? The point of return for millennials back to church was the moment when they started their own family. Do you know why that happens? That happens because the door of relationship has been kept open. That happens because people decide that they're gonna continue to love and pray for someone because their value is placed on the person based on who they are and not what they do. Verse 13, it says, not long after that, the older son got together all that he had and he set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. You see, here's another thing we see about the Father's heart. It's about to happen. The Father's heart is always to fill us. You see what it says about the Son? It says the Son was spent in every way. Like he had spent not just his money, he had spent his inheritance, he had spent his resources, his time, his energy, all on the things of the world. And guess what? At the end of it, he had nothing left. The Bible says he was spent. You see, he was not just spent financially, but he was spent emotionally, physically, spiritually. What happens is we see a scene where he is literally, he's empty on the inside. He's unfulfilled. But he's coming to this realization that the world could never satisfy the emptiness that he felt inside of him. And it says that he began to be in need. See, here's the thing. You and I have needs that only God can meet. There there is only God could fill the void, the emptiness that was inside him. Because only God could forgive him. Only God could heal his heart. Only God could actually give his life purpose and meaning. And only God could restore him. But I think perhaps the most heartbreaking part of this story was actually at this moment in time, he's all alone. You see, he looks around as he's spent and he's empty at his lowest moment. And guess what? There was no one there, not even his own brother. And the Father's heart is that you and I, I believe, could show people in our world what the real love of God looks like and what real friendship looks like. And I believe it looks like this, that we are there for people to show love and care at their lowest moments. When the relationship breaks down, when they're dealing with a crisis, when they're walking through sickness, when they've experienced loss, when they're in pain or hurt, or when they feel empty and unfulfilled. The Father's heart is that our lowest moments that we would know that we are loved by God. Yeah. 
And what I love about this story is the son might have walked away from God, but God never walked away from the son. In verse 15, it says, so he went and then he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the field to feed the pigs. That's a low moment, right? He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Listen to this though. When he came to his senses, he said, let's stop. This should be one of the greatest encouragements for you and I to pray for people and to keep on praying. For just this reason, just this verse right here, the younger son had a turnaround moment. He had a moment of clarity. The Bible says he came to his senses. It was revelation. He begins, what happens is he begins to see his life in a brand new light. Three weeks ago, I was preaching at our inner city location. I just walked in the door. It was five minutes before the start of the service. The lady who was on the door is a lady I've known for many, many years in our church. And as I walked in, she says, hey, Pastor, how are you? I said, I'm good. And she says, you won't believe this, but my son is coming to church this morning. Now, what you need to know is her son hadn't been in church for about eight years. He's in his mid-20s. I said, no way. He said, yes. He said, he's had an epiphany this week. I don't know, but he just rang me up and said he's coming to church. And I love this bit, how God's got his number because he came to church and the funny thing is his mum was on deck for the service. So she was sitting up the front right beside me and I was here. He had to sit between the preacher and his mum on the front row. And he sat there through the service and the worship came and you could just sense God was moving. And then we began to preach this message and you see God was stirring his heart at the end. We gave an opportunity for, for prayer and he stepped forward in that service, in that moment. And he began to weep and God's love began to fill his heart. He gave his heart back to Jesus. And there was a moment there with his mom as she wept and he wept and gosh, I was trying not to weep. And there was a moment for that young man, just like there was for this young son. And I thought to myself, gosh, as a preacher, I did very little, but I know the prayers that this mom has been praying for years have always been heard by God. And it was a moment of revelation. It was an epiphany that week. And he began just to see his life in a new light. It says that when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Sounds like a teenager. Here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. Now listen, he begins to make a good comparison. You know, you always say never make comparisons. Well, this is actually a good comparison because he begins to compare the state of his life to those he knew who were serving in the father's house. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, they're living a different way to me. They're not spent like me. They have food to spare. He recognised in that moment that those that were living in the Father's house under his care and under his provision, they lived differently. He saw in the Father's house that there was strength and blessing and protection. He actually saw that the Father's house was a place of refuge and protection. The Bible says the whole world was in famine. But he, he looked and he saw that in the Father's house, that for him was gonna be a place of refuge and protection and strength. Then it says he sets out to go back to the Father's house. In verse, in verse 18, he says, I will set out. I will go back to my Father. I love that. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. And next we see this quality of the father's heart. 
that the Father's heart, we're about to see it, is to show compassion. The Son is preparing a speech. He, he finds the palm cuts. He, he begins to write out the speech that he's gonna deliver to his, his dad. He gets in front of the mirror. He's practicing it over again. He goes, you know what I'll say, I know what I'll say, I know what I'll say. But can I tell you, he actually gets the most important thing right. Here's what he gets right, an attitude of repentance. Do you notice he doesn't make excuses? Notice he doesn't try to justify his actions. He's just like, you know what? I just need to say, Father, I have sinned against you. Father, I have wronged. I have made mistakes. And that's what actually repentance means. Sometimes people come to church and feel like that's a super heavy word. But the word repent, it literally means this. It means I'm walking this way. I'm walking this direction. But now I'm changing. Now I'm turning towards God. It means I'm not gonna live my life walking my way, going my path, but I'm gonna turn to God. I'm turn In this moment, he's saying, no, I'm gonna turn to God. And as we turn to God, we see what he does. He, he confesses his sins and his wrongs, his mistakes. 1 John 1 verse eight says this, if we claim to be without sin, we actually deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, here's what I love about this story. When we come to God with an attitude of repentance, we will always meet His heart of compassion. Luke 15, 20, it says, but while He was still a long way off, His Father saw Him, was filled with compassion for Him. I love this. He ran to His Son, He threw His arms around Him, and He kissed Him. You see, the Father ran to Him. Listen to what He did. Three things, He ran to Him, he embraced him and he kissed him. He ran because the God's love is always pursuing us. He embraced him and kissed him because God's love was always about restoring him back into right relationship. Do you know, we just went on this trip to France, right? And uh, we, we kind of got two words going in French, in French. One was bonjour, which helps you a lot, bonjour. And the other word was baguette. That just that sorts you out for lunch. <laughs> We got through three weeks in France pretty much with those two words. How good. So everywhere we'd go, we'd be like, bonjour, bonjour, how are you? And you get back, bonjour. And you're like, yes, I'm speaking French, how good. And so we'd say bonjour. But I remember many times we'd say bonjour, we'd order, and we'd sit down and have some food. And then we'd watch the same person who we just said bonjour to her, and someone else would come in, and they wouldn't get a bonjour. No, 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 no. They would, they would get a hug and embrace. They would get a kiss on both cheeks. And what I realized in that moment was actually, yeah, okay, bonjour was a, was a customary greeting, but if you were a close friend, if you were a family member, you weren't getting the bonjour treatment. No, 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 you were getting the hug and you were getting the kiss on both cheeks. And, and this is exactly the same here. The, the, here's what we see in this story. The embrace and the kiss wasn't just a sign of affection. It spoke to the closeness that the father was restoring the son back in a right relationship. What the father was saying to that son in that moment is, you are not a slave anymore, but you are my son. You are not gonna see yourself the way that you have seen yourself in anymore. You are gonna see yourself as a child of God, as a son of God. I am setting you back into right relationship with me. You see, the reason the son was preparing a speech was because he expected punishment. He expected rejection, anger. He expected that he wouldn't even get in through the front door of the house. He expected that he was not even worthy. 
Do you know, there was a cultural idea amongst the Gentiles of this day that Jesus would have known about. It was a ceremony called the Khazar. And what that meant was that if a son took an inheritance early, but then decided one day to return back home, they would have this ceremony called a Khazar where they would, in front of the son, they would smash a large pot and every person there would cry out in a voice and say, you are now cut off from all of your people. The big idea when the father ran to him and embraced him and kissed him was he was showing that when you and I come with an attitude of repentance, we'll always meet God's heart of compassion every time. God was showing him how wonderful his grace and how astonishing his kindness was. Romans 2 verse four says, don't you realize how patient God is being with you? Don't you care? Can't you see that he's been waiting all this time without punishing you to give you time to turn from your sin? His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Did you know it's the kindness of God that's meant to lead us to repentance? One of the biggest hindrances that many people have to a relationship with God is that they mistakenly believe that God is angry with them. Can I tell you the truth? God is not angry with you. God actually put all of that righteous anger for the punishment of our sins on the body of Jesus when he hung upon that cross for you and I. Now it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. In verse 22, it says, Now the father says to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's party. For the son of mine was dead. He's alive again. He is lost, but now he's found. And so they began to celebrate. The father gives him a new robe, a ring and sandals. In that moment, he's saying to his son, I want you to take off those old clothes and I want you to put on these new clothes. What the Father is saying to him in that moment is, I'm going to clothe you the way I see you. You're not a slave, you're a son. You're a child of God. You're part of my family. You see, here's what's so profound about this story. You see, the Father wasn't just changing what he looked like on the outside. The Father was actually changing who he was on the inside. He's saying to him in that moment, you're gonna see yourself in a new light. You're gonna carry yourself as a son of God. You are loved, you are chosen, you are part of my family. Ultimately, it really had very little to do with changing his behaviour or changing what he looked like on the outside. It was about changing his heart because God knew that when he changed his heart that everything else would change along with it. And this is the Gospel. God calls each of us out of the world where we were slaves and God calls us into his kingdom to become sons and daughters of the living God. And if you think that's good news, give, your, give God a hand of praise this morning. Come on, he's good. Now as we get the musicians up this morning, just when you think the story's finished, right, there's a plot twist. How do you know every good movie's gotta have a plot twist at the end. There's a party, they're celebrating. It's like, this would be a great time to end this story, end this movie, feel good movie, but actually there's a plot twist right here. In Luke 15, verse 25, it says, meanwhile, the older son, so now we get to son number two was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he now has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, 
All these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Listen to what he says. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. The father said, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Don't you understand? Because this brother of yours was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost, but he's now found. And what we see in the Father's heart here is so important for you and I. The Father's heart is to commission us. You see, the older brother actually says something to his father that locates him. He says these words. He says, but when that son of yours. Do you know what? There was a brother in the house that wouldn't even call his brother a brother. He said, but when that son of yours, my wife Wendy and I do joke like this all the time in our house. We do say things like, ah, babe, you know, you know that daughter of yours? She's in a bit of a mood today. We've got a golden retriever. Oftentimes I'll say, babe, that dog of yours, you wouldn't believe it today. But the older brother was actually disowning him. You see, the older brother had lost sight of the mission. And here's the warning we see in this story, is that you can be in the Father's house, but not carry the Father's heart. Even though he was in the Father's house, he was out of touch with the Father's heart. And he'd lost sight of the mission. He lost sight of the bigger picture. He actually thought the house was all about him, about what he wanted, about his needs being met, Jesus is identifying, he's saying, that's the religious spirit. Outwardly, you're going through the motions, but inside, you're not carrying the Father's heart for people. And actually in this story, the Father was calling this older brother to reconnect with the Father's heart, to live on mission with Him, to partner with Him, to reach, rescue, and redeem lost sons and daughters. And I actually think the greatest encouragement of this story is to remind us that we all have a part to play in the restoration of people's lives. Do you know in the Father's house, do you notice it was a team effort? Someone got the ring, someone else got the robe, someone else got the sandals, a whole team were preparing the feast, another team were getting all the music together. It was a team effort. Everybody played a part and everybody had a part to play. And I love this church. This weekend's a classic example of it. I, I saw it as I came through the doors. It's like there were dozens and dozens of people serving on teams, uh, loving on our kids and our young people, uh, helping out with uh, welcoming people as they come through the door, creating music, uh, being part of, of groups and leading people and helping and encouraging people, people making 200 hampers this weekend. Oh my gosh. You know, everyone here today, I wanna, I wanna let you know something so important. You have a place in the Father's house, but I wanna tell you, you also have a unique part to play in the restoration of other people's lives. In the Father's house, He was commissioning every son and every daughter to live on mission with Him, 
not just to be in the house, but to be a part of what He was doing through a lost and hurting and broken world. And God calls us to that in verse 32. It says, my son, the father said, he said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But I love what he says. But come on, we've, we've got to celebrate. The house of God would be a place where we celebrate. The house of God would be a place where, where we make it our mission and our focus to be on mission in our own lives, reaching out to people who are far away from God, reaching out to prodigals. And he said, this brother of yours was dead. But no, he's alive now. He was lost and he's found. The father's heart is celebration. I believe this is perhaps the most important thing. Jesus is actually giving us a glimpse of what heaven is really like. Jesus showing us what heaven celebrates. Heaven stops to celebrate. Heaven stops to rejoice. Luke 15 verse 10, Jesus says, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Bible says when one person turns to Jesus, when one person gives their heart to the Lord, Jesus says, I want you to give you this beautiful glimpse of heaven. It says that in that moment, when one person turns to God, it says all of the angels and all of the saints begin to celebrate the one. The reason heaven celebrates the one is because God knows and calls each one of us by name. He really does. And I'm really not sure that we can even possibly imagine what it would be like to be in heaven surrounded by tens of thousands of angelic beings and saints as they begin to rejoice and celebrate over the one. Would you close your eyes this morning all across this place? You know, heaven celebrates the one because God's plan from the beginning has always been to connect us into relationship with Him, into right relationship with Him. There's a, there's a God-shaped gap on the inside of every one of us that only God can fill. What I love about God is that even because of sin, which has separated us from God, the Bible says God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. And that sacrifice on the cross that Jesus made for us, it literally becomes the bridge for us. The, the Bible teaches us that there is a chasm that we cannot cross to God because of sin. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, He laid down His life to become that bridge for you and I to return back to right relationship with Him. And maybe you're here this morning, in this moment right now, I'd love to include you on a prayer that I'm gonna pray for everyone here this morning. And I'm gonna lead everyone together in just a few moments from now. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe it's time. Maybe it's time that you said in your heart this morning, yeah, it's, it's time for me to, to return back to God. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and maybe you have been in a season where you've drifted away from God. Maybe you've gone your own way. Maybe you've done your own thing. Can I tell you today? You might find yourself in a time where you've drifted away from God or you've walked away from God. But I wanna tell you this morning, God never walks away from you. God loves you. God is for you. God has a great plan and purpose for your life. All you and I need to do is to step towards Him. Invite Jesus into our life. Maybe you're here this morning and Maybe you're like me at 18 years old where I believed in God. I'd even been to church before, but I never knew that I could have a relationship with God. I never stepped into that relationship. And in a service just like this one, someone told me the gospel, told me how I could do that. And I responded. I remember lifting up my hand and saying, would you pray for me? And I'll tell you what, that moment as an 18 year old changed the whole trajectory of my life. Because I tell you, when the love of God enters your heart, 
You cannot stay the same. In this story, the father was never on about trying to change the son's external behaviour. He was all about trying to transform his heart. And our hearts are transformed only through the love of Jesus. If you're here this morning and that's you, what I'd love you to do if you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time or you're coming back to Him today, just wherever your eyes closed across this place, I want you to be very brave and bold. I just want you to slip your hand up just so I can see it and then you can put it down and say, yes, Pastor, that's me. Would you include me on that prayer this morning? Who is that this morning and you wanna pray that prayer for the first time or you wanna come back to God this morning? Would you just lift up your hand this morning and I'd love to include you on that prayer today to invite Christ. Thank you, buddy, over there. I can see your hand, that's awesome. Thank you, buddy, up the back. I can see your hand, that's awesome. My heart tells me there's several more people here this morning. Just even right now, I'm reminded, Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Yes, buddy, I can see your hand. Thank you, that's awesome. Is there anyone else here this morning? I believe even right now, if God's knocking on the door of your heart, all you and I need to do is just open that door and say, God, come into my life. That's all it takes. Thank you. Thank you over there. I can see your hand. Who else is here this morning right now? And you sense God knocking on the door of your heart. He just says, if you hear my voice and open the door, that's it. I will come in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want you to love you, church. Would you say this prayer after me this morning? Say, Lord Jesus, this morning, I open the door of my heart to you and I invite you in as my Lord and Saviour. God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean and make me new. Today, I put my trust in you, Lord, and I promise to follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You can open your eyes. Hey, powerhouse, we had a whole bunch of people say yes to Jesus. Let's celebrate like heaven celebrates this morning. That's so good. And we are cheering you on. It is the, I, I know this. This is the greatest decision you can make, that decision to walk with Jesus and give your heart to Him. I know we've got an amazing team here at the end of this service that would love to connect with you because I want to tell you this. We are never meant to walk alone through life. We are never. It's always about a community of faith. And this is the greatest community of faith right here. Come on, let's celebrate with them once more. Church, would you stand up to your feet this morning? And just before I hand back to Pastor Josh this morning, what I'd love you to do right now is, would you just close your eyes? I'd love to have a response moment. And I, I truly believe this. I believe whatever the Word of God is preached, I believe in that moment, there should be a response in our heart to it. And I felt this morning and even this week, church, as I was praying into this day and this moment, that, uh, that Luke chapter 15, that story would be a great encouragement for every one of us. And I really felt this morning that before we finish this meeting, that, that we would have a moment to pray for prodigals. And I believe with all my heart that Powerhouse, I believe you're coming into a season where we're gonna see prodigals coming home, sons and daughters returning back. It's more than just a stat that Barna Research have come up with. I truly believe it's God moving in the hearts of our family, our friends, brothers and sisters. But I wanna tell you, it's not just prodigal sons. There are prodigal daughters. There are prodigal brothers and sisters. There are prodigal friends. And I wanna believe this morning that we would stand together and pray this morning because the story I shared with you this morning, the one I, when I was at the inner city location for that mum, I love that. 
That was six or seven years of trusting and believing God to do what only He can do in that moment where He came to His senses, where the Holy Spirit begins to draw their heart to Jesus, where the light of revelation begins to switch on and they begin to find that there's something missing in their life that only God can fulfill and only God can meet. If that's you this morning, if you felt this morning in your heart, it could be a friend, it could be a family member, son, daughter, grandchild this morning. If that's you, I just want you to lift up both hands this morning. If that's you this morning, you're saying, hey God, this morning, as we pray, there's someone on my heart right now and you're gonna see that person. And as we pray this morning, we're not just gonna see them as they are, we're gonna see them as God sees them. Loved, chosen, transformed, their heart healed, their life turned around. Heavenly Father, church, I want you to begin to pray right now. Father, we pray and we thank You, Lord. We thank You for Your heart. God, You said I have come to seek and save the lost. Lord, thank You, God, that Your love is always pursuing us. Father, we pray right now. We pray for sons and daughters. We pray for mums and dads. We pray for brothers and sisters, grandchildren. We pray for friends, Father, who right now, God, are living away from You. Heavenly Father, we pray, God, as You have set eternity in their hearts, Lord God, we pray that You would draw their hearts to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We pray that they would have a moment, Father, where they would, they would see their life in a new light. God, that they would be drawn back to the Father, drawn back to Your house. And Heavenly Father, I pray for us, God, as ambassadors. Lord, I pray that as we move into their life, Lord, I pray may we bring a ministry, God, of, of reconciling people back to God. I pray fill our hearts with compassion, fill our hearts with mercy, fill our hearts with grace for them. And Father, we pray into this Christmas, Lord, we pray for prodigal miracles time after time, even next weekend in our services. God, they might be coming because it's a Christmas tradition, but God, we pray that they would leave having experienced the miracle of salvation. Transform them, change them. And Father, we thank You for Your love for them in Jesus' mighty Name. And everyone said, come on. If you love Jesus this morning, give Him a great hand. Thank you, Powerhouse, you're amazing.